Second Samuel, or sorry, Second Kings, if you'd get your Bibles open. Sword of the Lord this morning. Well, we're already halfway through the year tomorrow. Isn't it amazing how fast this year is going? It just keeps on getting quicker and quicker. Yeah, praise God for that. That was the word of the Lord right there. Hallelujah. Let the summer just finish before it gets started. Amen. We're talking about young people being at camp, so we're a little bit of an older bunch this morning. So I'm going to say an older bunch joke. Is that all right? There was this awesome Ocean View restaurant that was really popular. Nothing funner than eating by, by water and just relaxing, amen? So a group of guys, all about 40, discussed where they were going to meet for lunch one day. And they finally agreed that they would meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the waitresses there were pretty. Ten years later, I didn't say they were saved, okay? At age 50, the friends once again discussed where they'd meet for lunch. Finally, they agreed they'd meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the food was good. Ten years later, at age 60, the friends again discussed where they should meet for lunch. Finally, it was agreed that they would meet at the Ocean View restaurant because they could dine in peace and quiet, and the restaurant had a beautiful view of the ocean. Another ten years passed at 70, and they wanted to get together again. So the friends discussed where they would meet for lunch. Finally, it was agreed that they would meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the restaurant had wheelchair access and an elevator. Then one last time at the age of 80, 10 years later, the friends discussed where they would meet for lunch. And they finally agreed it would be again at the Ocean View restaurant because none of them had ever been there before. <laughs> Amen or woe is me. <laughs> hey, that's part of getting old. Amen. Second Kings chapter 22. I want to talk this morning about the word of God. Amen. The Word of God. We had a little bit of problems this morning with the sound, but some of you probably, most of you probably didn't even notice it. I, I know our team gets a little bothered, but we had a few things. You can sometimes feel resistance and whatever, but it's because God, sorry, the enemy doesn't want God's Word to be preached. And sometimes we, we just have to fight past those things and say, God, I'm here to get something from you this morning. Amen. How many know every time we come to church, and get into the service, and get into the Word, God has something for us. Something that can change and transform our lives. Amen? And I want you to have a spirit of expectancy this morning to believe that the words you're going to hear are going to change your life. Now before we get into this, in 2 Kings 22, I want to read a powerful version of, of Scripture here, and se section of Scripture. I want you to think this morning of how many times you possibly have talked to somebody about the Lord and when you've talked to them or you've even heard, you hear people say about the Bible many things. One of the things that people like to say in, 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 in against it is they like to say that the Bible was written by men. How many have heard that before? It's one of the greatest arguments that people like to use. And it doesn't matter that way back in the Old Testament God wrote on tablets, amen, so we know it was God. There's always going to be people who are trying to refute the truth of the Bible. Amen. This, this book that you have in your hand this morning is still the number one bestseller in the world. There's no book that has ever outsold the Bible and no book ever will. Amen. It's still the most sought after book in the whole world. 
And, and I won't go in too much to the detail of that this morning, although we know here this morning how powerful that book is because of the fact of how long it took to write, how many authors wrote it, and how many for thousands of years have tried to destroy the Word of God. The devil has done everything he can to make the Word of God disappear. I want to give you a revelation this morning that the devil knows more powerfully, sorry, more, knows more how powerfully the Word of God is than we do. Come on. How many believe that this morning? He knows how powerful the Word of God is. And so he's going to do everything he can to come against the truth and the Word of God and fight what the Word of God means because he knows what the Word of God can do. And I want to give some scriptures this morning about this because if you're going to be an overcoming believer this morning, you've got to be a man and a woman who understands the power of the amazing Word of God. Amen. It's not enough to do, oh, I believe and I'm going to bring my Bible. Because let me tell you something, church. A lot of us believe in Jesus Christ and love the Lord, but we don't read the Bible. Come on. Don't stop shouting me down. Amen. We have something in our hands that is more valuable than any possession you own. Amen. If we picked up the Bible as much as we picked up our phones, amen, we would be really good off. Amen. Thank God the Bible's on the phone nowadays. If it wasn't for the Bible on the phone, we might not pick up the Bible. Amen. I'm not talking down to you. I'm just telling you, I don't think we understand how powerful that book is in your hand. The amazing, powerful Word of God. And I think I'm going to say this before I get into the story. No, let's read the story first, and I'll come back to it. 2 Kings chapter 22 Josiah, we've been talking lately about young people and how God uses young people. This guy was the youngest man or woman ever used in the Bible. This guy was eight years old. There's some eight-year-old kids in this church. Can you imagine one of the kids in our church becoming king? Amen. That's amazing. At eight years old, he became king. It says in verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And then he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. That's 31 plus 8. If my math is good, that's my age. So when he was my age, he had already been king for 31 years. That's amazing. And it says his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Baskath. Love these names. Amen. But remember, if you're making fun of them, our names are funny too. And watch this verse 2. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. That's a good thing to underline right there. We've been talking a lot about that. I want to give you something else this morning before I really get into the message. I want to remind you, I could remind you this every single service. Do right. Do what's right. You can't go wrong when you do what's right. Come on. When you do what's right, right comes out right all the time. Wrong is going to come out wrong. And you got to understand this morning that a lot of things that go on in life, uh, we don't understand. Our timing's off sometimes. We try to figure out why things aren't working out. And we're all in that place. We've done something back here that was right, and we still haven't seen the blessing of it yet. And we have to continue to walk believing that if I did right, right's going to come out right. Come on. And wrong comes out wrong. So do right. It's pretty simple. 
And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. And look at this, and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. How many know we need to be a little bit more straightforward this morning? Amen. Not turning to the right, not turning to the left. I talk to so many people as a pastor and watch their lives in their individual walk with the Lord and begin to see things go on in their lives and they begin to struggle and they begin to talk about their problems and they begin to see things going on with them and it's very simple for me to see that they have just simply gone off to the right or to the left. It's hard for them to see as, as individuals, but that's what's happened. And just like a chiropractor, amen, it's, it's my job to try to get them back on track, but God has to do it, amen. Prayer and the word does it, but I can see it so many times, and I can say, okay, hey, the Lord's telling you, you need to get back on track. You've gone off into left field. You've gone off into right field. You've stopped doing what's right. A lot of times I see somebody begin to prosper, somebody begin to do really well physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, and I look at what they're doing in the work of the Lord. They're coming to church. They're reading the Bible. They're paying their tithes. They're praying. They're doing what's right and staying forward, and everything's good, and then all of a sudden things begin to fall apart but they don't tie together the fact that they're not doing what they used to do come on say amen am I telling the truth I'm talking in general I'm not saying that you don't have some problems because you're doing what's right I'm saying in general you see these people get off track well have you been coming to church no have you been praying no have you been tithing no have you been going to, to reading the bible no well uh I don't know I don't know what your problem is what could it be I've just seen over 21 years almost of serving the Lord that when I'm doing what's right, things work out right. And if I begin to stop reading the word, if I begin to f struggle in my prayer life, if I begin to, to take God's money and do something else with it, if I begin to do all these things, I begin to get off track. And then I go, oh, I got to get back on. And God speaks to me. People speak to me. Lord speaks to me. Bible speaks to me. And I get back on track. How many are thankful this morning to have, to have somebody help you stay on track? Amen. We need someone to stay, keep us on track. That's what church does. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. So verse 3 says, now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. He's 26 now. He's old. That the king sit. Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the priest, high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which, brought, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. We just did that this morning. We took up an offering for the house of God. And let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house. To carpenters and builders and masons to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there be no need of accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. How many know it's good this morning to be given to a place where you know where the money's going? Amen? And you know we're doing something globally with it. Amen? I'm not going to be mean or anything, but we're not building a $4.7 million aquarium. I wouldn't mind having the 4.7 to try to do something with, but it definitely would not be an aquarium. Amen? We're doing the work of God. And we're trying our best to, to take from here what's here and multiply it around the world. And I'm telling you, you don't know how blessed we are
to be a part of a fellowship of churches that is staying the course in these last days and not doing these foolish things so many people are doing. Amen. And so we got to stay the course. we got to stay straight and not go off to the left and not go off to the right. Now watch, continue with me. Verse 8. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, this is awesome, I have found the book of the law of the house of the Lord. I have found the book. Some of us in here this morning need to find the book. Amen? We need to find the book. This is, somebody's going to get a revelation this morning. That spiritual light bulb is going to come on this morning. And you're going to realize, man, I have never really truly understood how powerful, and I love the word amazing, and we sang the word this morning, God is awesome, how awesome the word of God is. It's not just a book of written things by men and women. It is God's perfect, inspired word. And they say, we found the book of the Lord. And so Helkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, have delivered it to the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Now watch verse 10. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, watch this, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. I want you to notice what I just read. I'm going to help you. That's why I'm up here and you're listening. One guy found the book. And he said, I have found the book of the Lord, of the law of God. Something inside of him was excited. He said, man, I have found the book. He didn't say a book. He said, I have found the book. It. There was a revelation. See, when we're listening to the word of God, the revelation has to come down upon us. We need the spirit of God. That's why we pray that spirit would move in our church. Because the word cannot be received unless the spirit is moving. Amen. And so we get a revelation. That man found that book and something inside him said, I didn't just find a book. I found the book. Then this other guy he comes over to, to, to tell about it, and I'm just telling you what I see in the Bible. He comes over, and the first thing he talks about is money. The first thing he says is, we've got the money stuff taken care of, and oh, by the way, I found a book. A book. Not the book. A book. How many would agree with me this morning that there's probably those are two types of people that exist today, people who see it as a book, and people who see it as the book. And those that see it as the book are walking in victory this morning. Those that see it as the book can have a healthy marriage this morning. Those that see it as the book can have good finances this morning. Those that see it as the book can have a good family this morning. Amen. Those who see it as the book can have health. Those who see it as the book can have all the things and desires of their heart because they know I've got a manual for my life. It's not just a book I have in my hand. It's not just a book that's next to some novels up on the shelf. It's not just a book I have on the shelf collecting dust. It's the book. We have the word of God this morning in our hands. And he read it before the king. Go with me. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Guess what happens when the book speaks? 
Amen. Something happens. When this word is written and God's spirit is involved, there's a conviction that comes upon your heart. I don't know how so many people can listen to the word of God and not be convicted, not be pierced to their heart, and not say, I've got to change the way I am. I'm not lining up with this book. But Josiah, because the Bible says in the beginning, had a good heart, a right heart. He, wrote, he read those words, or heard those words. What does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? By the word of God. And so they're listening to the word of God. And as he's listening to that word, something comes upon him. See, there's another two types of people. You got people that come to church. And I'm not talking about us. I'm just generalizing. And they listen to message after message after message. And there's never a change. People could be going to church for 25 years and still be the same person they were when they got saved because they haven't understood the book and the amazing power to change their life in that book. They just hear it as another story. Well, that's a good story. Well, that's a good book. Well, that's almost as good as the novel I'm reading right now. That's almost as good as this something they told me in college. Amen? You can't do that. This is the book. It's an amazing book. He tore his clothes. The verse 12, then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of, oh Lord, help me with these names. Can I just move on? Go inquire of the Lord. And names are important. Don't get me wrong. They're important. I just can't say them good. I'm not doing them justice. Go inquire of the Lord for me. Watch this. For the people in all, in all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all, say all, all that is written concerning us. You want to know what the United States looks like today? It's this. The United States, and not just the United States, I'm not trying to just pick on us, but we live here, amen? It's all around the world, but we're the ones that have sent more missionaries to anybody in the world. We're the ones who founded our country on the word of God. We're the ones that say, in God we trust on our bills still somehow, amen? And all this stuff's going on. We're seeing what happened there. The wrath of God is going to come upon the country that does not look at this as the book anymore. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to a wrath, scary message this morning. I'm just telling you that's what he said, and that's what he realized. When we live by the word of God, we will be blessed and walk in prosperity and good health, and good things will happen when we don't and we disobey, then the wrath of God comes upon the country that turns away from the book. Can you say amen? This is just one story of that. I'm going forward. So he says these words. And so all the guys get together again. I noticed all the get together again. Amen. And they go to a prophetess, the wife of Shalom in verse 14. And she's the keeper of the wardrobes dwelling in Jerusalem. And they speak with her. And watch what happens in verse 15. As the prophetess speaks, she says to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Now it starts off scary. 
because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. Stop right there. That's a powerful word. Shall not be quenched. My wrath is coming. And, and we've got to understand this morning, again, when you're walking with the Lord and you have a right heart, you don't have to walk in fear. Amen? That's the awesome thing. I, I'm, I could honestly tell you this morning, if you asked me, what is the thing that most excites you about God? I would tell you that's probably my answer. Honestly. Is that I feel like I can say, when I keep my heart right, God knows it. Because how many know there's accusations, there's things people think, there's all these things go on, but isn't it good to go to bed at night knowing you're doing the right thing and you're living for the Lord and no matter what else happens in the world, I'm good with God. See, we have too many man pleasers today. We have people who are trying to please man but not please God. Please God. Do what's right. Stand in holiness. Stand in righteousness. Do what's right. You know what, you know what we should do right in? How many things we should do right in? Everything. All things. Amen? It's not good enough to be right in 90%. I know we're human. I know we're sinners. I know we make mistakes. But I'm talking about an attitude that says, I don't want to be 98%. I want to be right in everything. And when I make a mistake, and when I know I made a mistake, I make it right. Amen? So this is some pretty serious words. And listen, you can be sure that these words are going to come to pass in the world. But thank God for good news. Verse 18. But. How many love when he says but in the Bible? But. That's a big, awesome, amazing word. But. To the king of Judah. He says to us today, but. To my faithful Bible believing sons and children, sons and daughters of God. But who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. So he, he said what happens to the one wrong. Now he's saying what happens to the one right. He says, Concerning the words which you've heard, watch this. Because your, verse 19, write this, mark this, pencil this, put it with your marker, because your heart was tender. And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. Watch this. I have heard you. Thus says the Lord. Surely, take that to the bank and cash it. When God says surely, he means surely. When he says, surely goodness and peace and happiness shall follow you all the days of your life, how many know he means it? Amen. When he says, heaven and earth will not pass away, but my, or heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, how many know he means it? When he says, you can call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved, how many know he means it? Amen. Come on. Is anybody here this morning? Is anybody getting excited to know that the person who wrote this book we're reading is on our side? Amen. And he's looking for some people that are faithful to him. And he wants to bless and pour out his spirit upon those who have a heart that's tender and right. And in the midst of a world that's going to hell, 
we can be standing up and say, I am a child of God. I am a friend of God. I'm a believer in the word of God. Amen. It's not anything I can do in my own self, but oh, thank you, Lord, that you are so good to me because I believe in your word and I keep my heart right. My wonderful, awesome pastor that I love so much, who's in Africa this morning doing a great work for God, taught me many things, but there's some things that always come back to me. He said, love your wife and keep your heart pure. That's pretty simple. Those are things I remember him saying. Love your wife and keep your heart pure. How can you go wrong? Love your spouse and keep your heart pure. How can you go wrong? You can't. Then he goes on to say in the last verse, Surely I will gather you to your father's, and you should be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I bring on this place. Which, by the way, if you're here this morning, I, I believe, and I hope you believe, that that word is for us today as well. That the believers in Jesus Christ are not going to see the calamity come upon this earth. But because before that tribulation happens, I'm going up. Does anybody else believe that here this morning? I'm going up. The trumpet's going to sound. And he says, I'm going to take my children out before I pour my wrath out on this world. Because we have been faithful. And we've kept the word of the Lord. Amen. And he could come back any day. So I read this story this morning. But I want to tell you one one of the most amazing facts you'll ever hear. Because I started off by saying how people attacked the Bible and say it was written by man and they've changed it and it's been copied so many times. And you know what I love about the things that the world says and does is the more you listen to these things, the more you realize it actually helps the case. The Bible, the New Testament, for example, because you know a lot of people... Uh, they'll say, well, I know the Old Testament exists, and you know, you got the Jews who have been around forever, and it's so old. And, but the New Testament gets, gets attacked a lot. And we have, since Jesus Christ died and rose again, we have many books. How I many are following me? Back when the Old Testament was written, there was no other books written. Okay, when you go to, I'm not going to name religions, but when you go to a lot of these major religions that exist today, they all have to go off of what was written in the Old Testament. And they'll talk about Moses and Abraham and the prophets. And they believe in all that stuff. But it's when you get to the New Testament where problems begin to begin. How many are following me? In the last 2,000 years. And we know that as soon as Jesus Christ died, his disciples began to take the word forward. They began to write the New Testament, which was not something changing the Old Testament. It was something confirming the Old Testament and revealing what was concealed in the Old Testament and revealing and and complying what was prophesied in the Old Testament in the New Testament being done. And they began to write the words of Jesus Christ and he, they began to write the gospels and then Paul came along and wrote to the churches and then John finished it off writing the book of Revelation saying what's going to happen in the end and when he finished that book he said it's done. Remember when Jesus said it's finished? Well the John said it's done. If you add to this book, all the plagues in the Bible will be added to you. If you take away from this book, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. Pretty serious words. I don't want the plagues or be blotted out. 
So the New Testament is really where you have to get down to the rubber meeting the road and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. The scholars take the Old Testament. But because since the New Testament was written, all of a sudden in the last 2,000 years, you've got a lot of other stuff come along. And one of them is the Koran. But the Koran was written 700 years after Jesus. Then you have another religion that's big today, the, book, the Mormons. You've got the Book of Mormon. It was written 200 years ago. They missed the party. They came along too late. Anything that's been written, and he, they said it in the Word of God, don't mess with this Word, amen? If you hear anything preached other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified, don't listen to it. Amen. He said, many are going to come in my name. He said, false prophets are going to rise. Timothy talks about doctrines coming around. And oh, are we in that today where the churches have itching ears. And they're going to the places where the pastor's going to get up and tickle their ears. And I posted something on Instagram about these big old sugary lips. Amen. We're in a world where they're looking for the sugar-coated word of God. Amen. And it's dangerous. It's poisonous. I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Does anybody else in here want that this morning? Amen. I don't care what some revelation came along or some vision happened. The Bible tells me it was done. How do we know the New Testament is it? Well, check this out. Let me just, just, let me just tell you real quick. Because I know we've got some educated people in here that went to college. And I know that today there's over 17,000 libraries just in the United States. Major libraries, not libraries in someone's house. 17,000 libraries. I would say our society puts some pretty big emphasis on reading. Would you agree with that? Literature. It's a huge part of our society. Huge. And we know that there's people like Herodotus, sorry, I'm going Herodotus, Aristotle, Caesar, Pliny, some of these people that you hear about in college, and some of you might remember those names when you're studying, all these people that are so listened to today, Plato, amen, all these people that wrote things that were so powerful and people quote all the time. Did you know that those writings that have been so accepted and so received by the world cannot even compare historically with the New Testament? Can't even compare, and I'm going to tell you that this morning. I want to read you a couple more verses, but just in case I haven't convinced you about how amazing this book is, I want to get, give you a little bit of information real quick. How many want some information? The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Amen. I talked about the other day that it's not enough just to have knowledge. You need the Spirit of God to make that knowledge make sense because some Christians don't have any common sense. I like how Paul says, thou shalt not be stupid. Amen. Should be one of the Ten Commandments. Amen. We need some common sense. Can you say amen? We need just some common sense. Education is wonderful when the Holy Spirit's guiding it. So I just read you a few things of, of these writings. Herodotus, Aristotle, Caesar. I don't even know if I'm going to say that right. Tacitus. Does anybody know that name? I'm smarter than you. Pliny. Well, check it out. Out of all those writings, there's something called manuscripts. Before typewriters and computers, anything that was written was called a manuscript, written by hand. And so when something had to go and make more copies, they didn't have copying machines back in the day. They had to take what was written. If they wanted someone else to see it, they had to write off of the manuscript, which was the written word. 
That's how it continued to go on. Today we, lived in the, we live in a blessed day where we can make thousands and thousands of copies of all these books and the Bibles being distributed through the world like never before. Back in the day we didn't have that opportunity. So how many would agree with me that all these writings I just talked about are accepted by society and they're, they're historic and they're in the libraries and they're just something else. But the, out of all those people I just said, the one with the most manuscripts or copies of their writings was 20. 20. Tacitus had 20 manuscripts written of his writings. And there today, in 2013, there's 20 copies of his writings in the whole world. You following me? I know you're listening good, right? 20. And that was the most. It went down to, I think, uh, Caesar had 10, and Pliny had 7, and Aristotle had 5 copies. Five copies in the whole world of his writings. But he's the man. Guess how many manuscripts there are of the New Testament today in 2013? 24,000. 24,000 original manuscripts of the New Testament writings in existence today. I don't know if you're good at math, but 20 to 24,000 you know what that means? That means that the New Testament is the, and you can Google this if you don't believe me, the New Testament is the most verifiable document in the history of the world. The most verifiable document in the history of the world. I'm glad for those that clap because that excited me too to know that I already believed as it was, but I really, really excited me to know that what I believe is really verifiable. I believed anyways, amen, because see, Jesus said to Doubting Thomas when he touched his hands, he said, he said, you believe because you've touched me. I haven't touched Jesus. He said, but blessed are they who will believe in me, who have never seen me. I'm that person. You're that person, amen. I've never touched Jesus' hands, but I believe he lives today. And I believe he's on the throne today, amen. So I believe the Bible already, but when I hear something about it being the most verifiable Thing in history excites me. The most, are you taking notes? Write that down. The most verifiable document in history. That's not written by some Christian. That's historical fact. And guess what's second? It doesn't really matter the book, but the number. The second most verifiable book in, his, in history, and I've never heard of this book, but some smart people here might have was some book called Iliad by Homer. Okay, that's another very famous writing. It was written about a thousand years before, about 800 years before Christ. And it's still in, 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 in uh, copy today. Guess how many manuscripts they have? 500. That's the second most verifiable document in the world today. Number one, is Jesus Christ's words written by man but inspired by God amen can somebody shout hallelujah if that doesn't get you excited I, I, I can't help you second give me, let me give you just a couple verses as we close second Peter chapter 1 verse 19 listen to this I'll read these verses for time don't go look at them but you can write them down and look at them later 
This is a powerful verse. It says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, 2 Peter 1.19, as a light shines in a dark place, till the dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this first, watch this, that no prophecy, say no prophecy, of scripture is of any private interpretation. I'm reading you the Bible. Oh, it was written by man. Oh, it was changed. Oh, they messed with it. Oh, they manipulated it. Oh, they did this and oh, they did that. Here's what's interesting. With 24,000 manuscripts, how many know there was a lot of different people writing that? They all say the same thing. I'm hoping with that right there, that statement, everything that I just told you this morning makes sense. See, the world will say, well, there was, the more they wrote it, the more... I don't know if you're still here. I know it's almost lunch and we're all hungry, but are you getting what I'm saying? I don't know if you're understanding that the world says the more they mess with it, the more it messes up. But history tells us the more they mess with it, the more it confirms it's the same thing. Because all the manuscripts say the same thing over and over and over again. And my Bible says, out of the first manuscript, says, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. These were God-fearing men who knew if they messed with God's word, they were going to die. Ananias and Sapphira walked in in the book of Acts and just lied about an amount they gave and died. What would have happened to these people that did not say what God was telling them? They had a fear in their hearts. I'm going to write what God is saying. Oh, oh, was that an and or an or, God? Oh, okay, gotcha. Let me, let me fix that. Lightning don't strike anymore, but boy, it's struck in the Bible. I wonder sometimes how we're just in the grace period, thank God. Thank God we're in the grace period. Boy, lightning be striking all over the place. People be burning alive, amen, disappearing off the face of the earth, amen, because of God's wrath, but we're in the grace period. So no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation for prophecy never, listen, prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God, watch this, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're reading. First Timothy says that the Bible says that it's God's inspired word. God breathed, God inspired, infallible word. You can believe every and, you can believe every or. I know sometimes you can read the Bible and you can, you can say, I don't understand that. But the problem is, church, is you've got to understand that you cannot take one word from the Bible without getting all the words on that subject together and making a puzzle and seeing a clear picture. There's no story or word that God wrote in this book that does not have meaning. We have to have revelation. That's why we need the Spirit. How many times, I want to finish with this thought. I've got a whole lot of other scriptures I could have read about the word that I had about just how powerful the word is. But I want to ask you this question. How many times, and you be honest with me, have you been sitting in a a service listening to a message and when you heard a message, you heard a verse you'd heard before. But this time something totally different came alive. Something totally different spoke to your spirit. Something that even two weeks ago said this to you for your life. Not that the word changes, but you change. 
The spirit in you changes. And we're adaptive. The word does not change. But the spirit of God changes us who receive the word. And that's why that one powerful verse in Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful. Active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Living and powerful. And it pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it is the discerner of the hearts of man. You know why a lot of people don't like to read the Bible? Because they don't like to be pierced. Flesh does not like that. But oh, a good, faithful, mature Christian says, I need to get some word in me. Just like a person doesn't like to eat broccoli or cauliflower or green things or whatever's good for you, you got to get it down. Amen. I tell my wife all the time, that's gross, that's nasty. I'm getting it down. I've said that to you before. If it's good for me, I'm getting it down. We need to get the word down. Amen. You know, heaven and, 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 and prosperity and all these things sound real good, but let's get the meat too. Let's get the stuff that hurts, but in the end heals. I'm just talking this morning about the amazing Word of God. The amazing Word of God. Amen. Musicians, you can come this morning, but don't turn me off, please. I'm just giving them a chance to get up here. I love to talk about God's Word. I love to talk about how awesome God is. See, you can't talk about how awesome God is without the word. Don't turn me off. Watch this. Praise and worship is awesome. I'm a praiser. I'm a worshiper. I love to praise and worship. Follow me. But you've got to have the word. I, I've, I, I'm, I'm not saying that God doesn't move sometimes and I love when he does and I love when songs go longer or, or you just stay in the presence of God and, but man I've seen people go off into left field and they have these worship I'm not going to say the word that was going to almost came out my pastor says it but I'm, he's bolder than I am <laughs> I'm not going to say the word I wasn't a cuss word don't worry but they have these words it's just and listen I'm, I love worship I'm not saying anything wrong with worship but if you gather together all you do in his setting is just worship and there's no word I, I think I think people do that a lot they're called concerts I don't know if you caught that did you catch that Dwayne? amen it's a concert Get, people gather well you say oh they're praising God and they're singing worship songs and they're saying the name yes but this right here is what changes you because John 1 1 said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God this right here is what's going to change your life I love praise and worship I listen to it all the time I sing all the time I'm not I'm a praiser and I'm, you better be a praiser and a worshiper but boy it makes the word go down you got to get this word in you you got to read it you got to study it you got to live it. Can I give you a promised end? How many like promises? Actually, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray first. Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. 
Oh God, I thank you so much for your word. Of all the things I've really realized, Lord, there's, there's times my flesh doesn't want to read. There's times I'm weary and don't feel like opening the Bible or reading the scriptures, but God, it is so amazing how when I'm in need, your word is the answer. It's healing to my bones. Lord, this morning that we would get a revelation of the amazing power of the word of God. I know this morning there's some men and women in this place that are getting that revelation. They're getting excited this morning about understanding that this book isn't just a book, but it's the book.